Hi guys, thanks for coming back to the Adorn Podcast. Today we're going to be diving into chapters 10 and 11, story of the babble, of the babble. <laughs> Hi friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. Erin's having a hard time talking today, which I told her is appropriate mm. for the subject that we're about to speak I, about. Okay, God is so funny. I was just talking to, so the girl that I mentor, Abigail, who's been on here um, a couple times, I was talking to her at lunch today, just how funny God is. Yeah. And people who don't think God has a sense of humor, I'm like, you got to get to know more because he is hilarious, the things he does. Like, it, we're talking about not being able to understand each other's language, and I can't even talk today. So <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> you could just look at your kids too. I mean, yes. sometimes it's like, man, God really has a sense of humor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love it. So sometimes we read this story of the Tower of Babel, and we think that it's not re- very relevant for today, right? But I mean, do we ever sit and think about like where did all of our lang- languages come from? Mm-hmm. Because it didn't start that way. I yeah. mean, Adam wasn't speaking one language and Eve speaking another language. Oh, that would have been like, tough, huh? That would have been horrible. <laughs> like they spoke one language. So how, when did these languages even come come about? Yeah, and it's funny because my girls they come up with these kind of questions all the time. Like when they hear a different language, they're like, "Oh, where's that person from?" or things like that, and they want to know. And then. I mean, I don't know if your kids do this, but my kids like come up with their own language. You know, my kids don't do it, but my husband does. (laughs) (laughs) And it drives me crazy. I'm like, stop it. What do you mean? He says that his dad did the same thing. I mean, like speaking, it sounds like he's- Speaking in tongues? Well, it sounds like he's trying to, but he's just being silly. Like there's no spirit- spiritual stuff surrounding this like he is just being a nut so you should ask him if anybody knows jonathan you need to ask him about his secret language he will he will appreciate that does he think he's saying words (laughs) no okay okay well maybe in his head like when he was a kid i think he thought he was but now he's just being goofy that is so funny i've never heard him do this this is a new thing So we we know that this has been um, a wonderful study so far, but there's a lot of heavy stuff, a lot of studying, a lot of doctrine. So we thought we would do a little something fun to kind of lighten it up here to start this episode. So we were trying to think of, okay, what are some um, results of this different languages and some misunderstanding of languages and confusion of languages? So we did a little um, post on Facebook and asked, what are some some things that you misheard or some song lyrics or just different things that you have misheard. And some of the results were hilarious. What was, what was one of your oh, favorite I ones? I was dying. So I think one of my favorite ones was she said, I didn't understand what a body like a backhoe meant. And as I was reading this, I was like, what body like a backhoe? What does that mean? And it's a song by Sam Hunt and it's actually called body like a back road. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so she thought it said back backhoe. And I thought that was pretty funny. It's <laughs> a tractor, right? A backhoe? I don't even Is know if a, a backhoe is a thing at all. Oh. Like, <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, Yeah, that was pretty funny. That was one of my favorite ones. One of my favorite ones was um, somebody said, my son used to sing the song, We Exalt Thee, the the hymn, you know, we exalt thee. Mm -hmm. And he would sing it with all his heart, but he would say, we ain't salty. (laughs) I'm like, that should be a hymn. We ain't salty. (laughs) 
salty. <laughs> so good. So cute. It's there was so funny. there was another little kid one that I really liked. She said that um her son thought Michael Jackson's Billy Jean said little genies lock my door instead <laughs> instead of curious. Bill <laughs> No, that's what I thought. Instead of Billy Jean is not my lover. So little genies <laughs> lock my door. I was cracking up. <laughs> these were so fun. We were laughing oh. about these. There's so many fun ones. Okay, let's do one more. You want to do one more? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Okay, um, so I really like this one too. So from the song, if you're going to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle in the band. This person always thought the cowboy in the back stood up and yelled, Hot Nacho, instead <laughs> of Cotton Eye Joe. And I was like, well, I mean, I guess that's fitting for Texas. Everybody yeah. likes hot nachos. But <laughs> now I, want I thought that nachos. was pretty funny. Yeah, but I have one more actually. Okay. Because one of my own. So, and if you knew me in high school, you'll probably remember this because everybody made fun of me for this. But Naive Casey thought that the song that said, I'm gonna sit Bacardi like it's my birthday, like mm-hmm. Bacardi, like the, the rum, drink. the drink. <laughs> I thought it said, I'm gonna sit Pecani like What's it's that? my birthday, like Pecani sauce, because that's in Texas. What's Pecani sauce? Oh my gosh, here we go. <laughs> so, in, like Pecani, like it's a brand of salsa. Oh, Picante. Pecan- oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Language barriers. We are. We're speaking the same language. (laughs) We are giving a good representation of Babel right now, I think. So, yes, in my head, I was going to sip salsa like it was my birthday. Why would you want to do that? I don't know. But my sweet friend, Whitney, who is still one of my dear friends to this day, we were sitting in her white Mustang at my church. So, see, I was was a good kid. There was a reason I didn't know what Bacardi was. Sure. We were sitting at church, and I was singing in her car, and she's like, Casey, what did you just say? And I said, Pecani. And she was like, Oh my gosh, it's Bacardi. And I was like, oh, what's that? And she was like, oh my goodness, just just get out of the car. She's like, don't worry about don't it. Worry don't worry about, about it. it. So yeah, it's always fun. Did you have a fun story for us? So the thing that comes to mind as far as like language barriers is my sweet mother. I love her dearly. She's been on our podcast once before, but she thinks she can speak Spanish. She cannot, for the record. I love you, mom, but <laughs> she thinks she can speak Spanish by just adding like the letter O. Casey's about to spit out her coffee. She's laughing so hard. <laughs> she just adds the letter O to any word. And we were in, um, we, my dad took us to Europe when we, when I was in middle school and we, it was time for us to leave and we needed to pay. And so she was trying to ask them, how do we pay for our food? And she was just kept saying, money-o, money-o. And the guy's like looking at her like she's crazy. But she thinks she's speaking Spanish. So this is just another example of language confusion. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm dying. I love you, Mom. This is the best. <laughs> so anyway... You know, we can find a lot of humor in the um, language barriers and language confusion now. Um, But it didn't start off being a humorous situation. Correct. It didn't. That's true. I'm thankful that God has redeemed some of this for us. Yes, I told you. God is funny. God (laughs) is just so funny. Okay. So. So back to the Bible. Back to the Bible. (laughs) So we're coming off chapter nine. Um, If you hopefully listened to last week's episode, but just to kind of recap to where we are, we ended chapter nine with um, kind of a little bit of a downer, right? So the whole thing happened with Noah and then the sons and um, it was cursed 
through the line of Canaan, and then he gives this blessing over Shem and um, Japheth, and then it talks about how Noah lived this long, this many years, and then he died. So then we're picking up in um, chapter 10, and, and what do we see at the beginning of chapter 10? So um, he starts to go through the genealogy of Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So we see, goes through the genealogy of Japheth first. And first of all, when we see at the beginning of chapter 10, um, Moses says, again, these are the generations of. So you have kind of that pause that, like we talked about before that, okay, get your attention. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm about to tell you something important kind of deal. So then he goes through the genealogy genealogy of Japheth um and then he um he's talking about the people and kind of where they live right Mm -hmm. like he's he's saying where they live and then he goes into the genealogy of Ham and um as we go into the genealogy of Ham we start to see a little bit different patterns so he's been saying these are the sons these are the sons these are the sons but then he stops and he says um Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Eric, Akkad, and Kalnek in the land of Shinar. So once again, we start to see this kind of pattern break. Mm -hmm. And I noticed as I was reading, because of what we had read before, my mind automatically said, oh, there must be something significant there. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but there must be something significant. And I think if um, if I had read this maybe a year ago, I would have just been like, oh, he's a hunter and moved on. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have my mind wouldn't have thought there's a reason that we're being told that. So do you want to tell us a little bit about why Moses is trying to catch our attention here? Yeah. So I think, first of all, it makes me laugh just because of the name. So I don't know. My dad always, when we were little, he would use that as like a a name, like, oh, that guy's a nimrod. Like, you're so dumb, which is funny. And I'm sure it stems from this. But that's the first thing that caught my attention. Mm -hmm. But then um, as like you're saying, as we slow down to read what what it actually means, um, we see that that phrase like, a mighty hunter before the Lord sounds almost like a good thing, Mm -hmm. but in actuality, it's not. It can be translated another way to say that he was a rebel or he was um, trying to go against the Lord, against the Lord's will. Um, Do you think that's fair to explain it that way? Yep, I do. I do. Um, I also think that it's interesting because um, if we look into the Jewish tradition, according to Jewish tradition, Nimrod was the builder of the Tower of Babel, which we're going to talk about here shortly. So I think that's interesting because Nimrod comes from the line of Ham, and Ham is the one that, you know, sinned toward his father Noah and so we see this that Ham's line also is is sinful so I thought that was interesting um is there anything else about this specific section as far as Ham's descendants go that stood out to you like we see with Nimrod it's talking about where he um so it says in the land of Shinar and then it goes in to talk about Nineveh um, and some of these names should kind of jump out to Mm -hmm. you if you have um, read other parts of the Bible so we know from Nineveh the story of Jonah fun fact yes this week we were talking about Nineveh in school um, and we were reading about it and the very first library ever was in Nineveh (gasps) Wow. Isn't that interesting? That is a fun fact. I thought that was really cool. Fun fact. Fun facts. And then um, we'll we'll see a little bit more, but Babel ends up being the, um, turns into, turns into, I don't know if that's the right word, but it becomes Babylon, which we know from other 
stories in the Bible, especially um, Nehemiah, because we just studied through that. Um, I just studied through that. So we know that Babylon becomes this great power that then eventually will take over um, Israel. Israel. And so these little things that we just read over, they start to have significance when we have, like we've talked about before, if we think of the Bible and our biblical literacy as a puzzle, the more puzzle pieces we have, the more aware of where the other puzzle pieces need to fit. So mm-hmm. these are just little things that might kind of jump out to you as you start to have a deeper understanding of um, just the whole Bible as one big story. Yeah, and it's always interesting to me how these, like, names of people turn into, like, locations. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. so interesting. And, yeah, like Aaron said, the Assyrians, because we also see um, Assyria in here. So the Assyrians and the Babylonians both at one time end up conquering Israel mm-hmm. and they're from the line of Ham who yeah. was sinful and so we see yep. that generational sin so yep. it's all it's all tied together in there we also see listed Sodom and Gomorrah right mm-hmm. is through the line of um, Ham so that's some more names that jump out to us that we know from other stories that just continue that generational sin yeah so then we continue to see um, he talks about Canaan because Canaan is one of Ham's sons and Canaan is the one that it's actually cursed back mm-hmm. in um, the story of Noah and um, yeah that's where Sodom and Gomorrah are listed mm-hmm. yeah Sodom and Gomorrah are under Canaan so then we see the genealogy of Shem and all of his kids too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a little fun fact there, right? So it says, Tushem, also the father of all the children of Eber. And Eber, Eber, however, I'm not sure how I you say, say that one. I say Eber. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it goes on to list other people, but then it comes back to where Eber is actually in the line, which is a couple verses down. But um, fun fact about that, that we, we get the word Hebrew from that, from that same name. And so uh, this is eventually the same line that leads us all the way to, to Jesus. Jesus. We sing in CC, Jesus, the Messiah. It's like my favorite part of the whole timeline song. I love it. And I get teary eyed every time, but this contrast is so interesting Mm -hmm. because you see Ham's line and you see all of this destruction, Mm -hmm. like, because we know what happens in the future, you know, after these things, and we see this destruction, we see how Babylon and Assyria conquer Israel we see um you know Canaan and Sodom and Gomorrah and all of this um just sin and then we see Shem's line Mm -hmm. and we see um this kind of bright star that's coming through Shem's line that leads all the way to Jesus yep so it's really neat it is cool Mm -hmm. it's cool and then we end um chapter 10 where it says these are the clans of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies in their nations and from these nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood and then you read 11.1, which says, now the whole earth had one language and the same words. You're like, wait, what? So if you were reading this on your own, um, in your own study time, this could be really confusing, yeah. right? So we hear all about how they were all dispersed and they all were speaking different languages and they were all in different cities and different families. But then we hit verse 1 of 11, which seems to be contradictory. So can you kind of break that down for us? Yeah. So basically... Um Scholars and theologians believe that this is not chronological, that 10, it actually is after chapter 11. And so chapter 10 is kind of telling us who all these people are and where they are. And 11 is telling us how they got there. Mm -hmm. Now, why Moses chose to tell it in this order, we're not sure. Yeah. And we just kind of have to be okay with that. Yeah. (laughs) So the 10 is kind of like 
here's who's here and here's who they had and mm-hmm. here's where they are. And then Eleven's like, this is why. This is why they're in those places. Yes. And I think it's it gets a little confusing on like, was it 11 then 10 or was it a little bit of 10 and then mm-hmm. 11? Because we see that Nimrod was part of the ba- the Tower of Babel. Right, so right. some of it took place. So the chronological mm-hmm. is hard to not get caught up yeah. in un- wanting to understand when happened and everything that happened. But I think chapter 11 is just much more concerned with telling us why this is happening um, and answering the question of why is there multiple languages mm-hmm. and what led to that um, and try not to get caught up in the well, what happened first? Mm-hmm. Which is hard not to kind of answer it's hard. those questions. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So that's helpful. Thank you for clarifying mm-hmm. that for us. Always. <laughs> so now um, we move in to chapter 11 and we see, like Aaron said, the whole earth had one language and the same words. But um, was that an obedience to God? Like, is that what he told them to do? So no, if we look back all the way to the covenant with Noah, when God's making a covenant with Noah, he tells them to be fruitful and multiply. And we see that again, all the way back with Adam and Eve, he's telling them to be fruitful and multiply and spread out amongst all the earth. And so chapter 11 kind of shows us that they weren't doing that because it says that as the people migrated from the East, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. So they kind of clumped together and found this one place mm-hmm. and they were not being obedient to what God had told them to do to disperse and to reach out over all of the, all of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get into this, this um, part of, which is where we actually know as the story of Babel, if you've learned it as a kid or anything like that. And like we always say, when we're getting into these stories that you might be a little bit familiar with is try to pretend like you're not familiar with it. So you can actually hear what God wants you to learn from this. And the first thing we see in verse um, three is that they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. So this might seem like, okay, there's not anything wrong with that, right? Like they just want to build, like what's the big deal? But there's little things in here that we can catch. Like Moses um, is drawing the point to the um, Israelites and he wants them to catch this, that when he says, come, let us make, that is supposed to be very similar to remind the people that's what God said in creation when he made man in Genesis 1 26, he said, come, let us make man in our own image. And so when he's saying that these people came together and said, come, let us make bricks. What he's saying here, what Moses is saying is that they're coming together to be their own God. Mm-hmm. They're coming together to, as it says, make a name for themselves. We'll read that in the next verse. But what they're, what he's saying is they're coming together and they're saying, come, let us be the creator. Mm-hmm. And so we might not catch that if we don't slow down, but that come, let us make that phrase is the same one that God used when he was creating man. Mm-hmm. I thought that was so interesting. Yeah, I thought it was too. And so they say, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And so in that one verse, we have Mm -hmm. a lot going on. Oh, yeah. So they want to build a tower to get to God. So Mm -hmm. they think that their works can get them to God. Basically, Mm -hmm. they're trying to get to heaven. They want to make a name for themselves. So they want to be God. Like Aaron said, they're they're basically trying to be the creator now. And then they're saying they don't want to be dispersed over the face of the earth. They want to stay together Mm -hmm. in their own little clump. Mm -hmm. So we see three different things here. Um, We see them trying to trying to work to get to God. We see them wanting to have this praise for themselves Mm -hmm. and we see them um, wanting to, to have kind of this little click and not, obey God's command Mm -hmm. to fill the earth and to multiply. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think that there's so much that we can take away from this that's relevant to us today. Um, I think that we all have times that we want to make a name for ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, I see that all the time in myself. I see it in my kids. Like, we want praise for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Anything you want to add to that at all? I just think this is a sneaky one. Like, you might not even Mm -hmm. notice it Mm -hmm. in your own heart. Um, Because this is something I struggle with, especially when it comes to ministry or serving. Like, if we check, check your heart. Um, If we check our hearts and we realize, okay, if nobody knew I did this, would it still be as important to me? It still matter. And Mm -hmm. if the answer is no, then you're doing it for human praise. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's just a good practical way to kind of check yourself. Like, if nobody knows, am I okay with that? Mm -hmm. And that will kind of give us an awareness, oh, I am doing this for human praise. Mm -hmm. And I think even just social media kind of like makes this even more extreme is that fuels that fire yes we want the likes right yes it's such a it's such a social media is such a wonderful tool but it's also so sneaky you know it's funny because we just you just used the phrase check your heart but I actually just heard I heard an interview with John Christ actually Uh talking about likes Mm. and he was like you think that a thousand more likes will give you that fulfilled Mm -hmm. feeling that you're looking for and he's like, it won't. No. Like, that's only going to come from God. And yep. I was like, preach, preach, John. Yeah. Like, you know, because it's so true. Like, we think, okay, like, how can we get more followers? How can we get more likes? And we we lose our focus from doing what we're doing to glorify God and to, to reach people for his name, even if it's only, like, five people, mm-hmm. to, I got to get likes. I got to yeah. get likes. Yep. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, when you really think about it, it is. Yeah. But that's something that people have been struggling with from the very beginning of right. time, right. which is is a little bit frustrating because it makes it feel like that's a very hard thing to defeat Mm -hmm. but it's also comforting to know that we're not alone yeah yeah so if we if we look at this um the sins of Babel, we kind of break it down into like you were saying that they wanted praise for themselves or to make a name for themselves and then we also see kind of this love and desire for security right like it must have been scary to them to think about being dispersed and so we see this kind of we can make an idol of security. They wanted to build these walls. They wanted to build a place where they would be together in this community. And, and wanting community in and of itself is a beautiful thing. But when we create and depend our security on the walls that we have or this center that we build where we feel safe, then then that's where it becomes sinful. And, and um, I think just being able to catch yourself knowing like where do you find your security and what um what does that look like for us practically do you have Mm, anything to say about that good yeah this one really resonates with me because I like my happy and safe little bubble Mm -hmm. and it's funny because our friends have actually kind of teased in the past about like let's go buy a lot of land and all build houses on this land and we'll have a farm and we'll just you know stay there and then when you think about it it's kind of like um are we making like a compound like it's kind (laughs) of like freaky when you think about it because that's not how God intends us to live like yes he intends for us to live in community but he also intends for us to go and tell you know to to be out in the world Um, spreading his name to everybody. And if we're in our 
own little bubble only with other believers all the time, we're not going to be able to share his, his name with other people. And on top of that, like, it's just disobedient. Mm -hmm. Like he tells us to go and do this. And if we're not going and doing that, then we're being disobedient. Just like the people, um, that were building this tower of Babel were. And so this really hit me when I was thinking about it. Cause I was like, Oh man, like I do find my security in my little click. Like I always tell people, Oh, I'm not clickish. And I, I think that a lot of times I do, um, I do a good job like accepting other people and I'm friendly, but I think in my heart, like I really do struggle with, I have my people mm-hmm. and they're, they're my security a lot of mm-hmm. times more so than I let God be my security. And that's yeah. not good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, thank you for being honest about that. I think that's really helpful. I think we can all relate to that because it's, it's true. Friends yeah. are a little more tangible yeah. sometimes. So yeah. yeah, I think it's just yeah. funny how, how they think like making a tower and making a name for themselves will make them exempt from having to obey. Right. Cause yeah. if we read it that way, if we're like, okay, we're going to make a name for ourselves with its top in the heavens so that we don't, lest we be dispersed over all the earth. Like if they could just make themselves godly and make themselves their own gods then they don't have to obey yeah and I think sometimes we do that if Mm -hmm. we're being honest if I just do well enough in this area I don't have to obey in that area if I'm serving serving so well over here then I don't have to go and tell Mm -hmm. right and we we kind of create these rules in our heads of if I do this then I don't have to do this Mm -hmm. if I obey here I won't have to obey here and like God's God doesn't work like that no he makes commands and he expects them to be obeyed and um we talked about that last couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. but I think it's just something important for us to remember we we can't like succeed so well in obedience in one area that we can forego obedience in a different area Mm -hmm. yeah that's good so Piper has a um a good little summary of this that I think helps us when we're thinking about those those sins of um, wanting human praise or wanting security and he says God's will is not that we find our joy in praise of man but find joy in knowing and praising God God's will is not that we find security in man or man-made things, but in him, in glad obedience to him. And I, I love how Piper words that because it's like it almost flips everything on its head. Like they think they were going to find joy in making a name for themselves, but actually the only way to find joy is in knowing God and praising God. And same with security. They think they'd find security in this tower they built, but actually you can't find security in that. You can only find security in God and in glad obedience to him. Yeah. I mean, men will always fail you, right? Like right. they're not perfect. They're fallen. They're, they come from the line of Adam just like we do. And so God's the only one that's not going to let you down and that, that can be your only mm-hmm. real security mm-hmm. anyway. Everything else is just false security. Yeah. And I love, I love picking up in verse five, this again, God is so stinking funny. <laughs> like he, it says, okay, so they, they wanted to build this thing up to God. Right. And the next words are, and then the Lord came down to see the city and the tower. Like, obviously he could see it. He's omniscient. Mm-hmm. He can see all things, know all things. But the fact that it says like, and God came down, like, they're like, we're going to build it to God. But then God came yeah. down to see it. It's just so funny. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. I love that point. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I like that um, you had brought out the point that it's a foreshadowing of Jesus mm. coming down mm-hmm. to us, mm-hmm. coming down to earth to be with us. And yeah, I like because that. if if our if we get into that mindset of we're going to work our way up to mm-hmm. Jesus, we're going to climb those stairs, we're going to earn our salvation. But no, Jesus came down to us. We, right. we can't climb our way up to him. Mm-hmm. He has to he has to come for us. And no. He came down for us, which is 
amazing. And I thought it was interesting in my study Bible, it brought this point out. It said, um, this isn't the first time that we see God investigating before initiating Mm -hmm. judgment. So we saw, um, back in, um, chapter three, I believe it was when, um, Adam and Eve sinned and God said, you know, where are you? What have you done? You know, God searching for them. And then we see the same thing with Cain after he kills Abel, you know, God's kind of like, where's your brother? Well, God's omniscient, like he knows it, Mm -hmm. but this is just, um, him illustrating that his judgment is always based on truth. So Mm -hmm. he's like investigating it and seeing this truth and like showing whoever it is that he's talking to that he sees it Mm -hmm. before he initiates that judgment. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting. I like that. Mm -hmm. I've never thought about that before. I hadn't either. Good study Bible. (laughs) Good job. Study Bible. Good job. Study Bible. (laughs) So we see then the Lord comes down, right? To see it. And um, he says, behold, they are one. They all have one language. This is only the beginning of what they will do and nothing that they purpose to do will now be impossible for them. And then verse seven, we see the same phrase again, come, let us just like when they said in the beginning, come, let us build, come, let us make. And it's the same phrase. Moses is using that same phrase to remind the um, Israelites that they think they're trying to make something. They think they're like God and being creator, but then no, It's only God who can do that. It says, come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So before we even go on and break that down, just that reminder of God's coming and down and he's saying, no, I am the creator. I am the God. I am sovereign. You cannot build your way to me. You cannot sin your way out of this. You cannot avoid obedience that he is the one who is sovereign and he is the one who is worthy of our worship and worthy of our obedience. So I love just catching those little phrases mm-hmm. that you would read right past, but now jump out at you because you know they have purpose. Right. And the let us once again shows us the Trinity. Yes. Mm-hmm. Reminding like us that. that, you know, Father, Son, and Spirit are all working as one. So then um, the Lord disperses them from all over the face of the earth and they um, left off building the city. So when we're talking about this confusing their language and scattering them. I think there's a lot of things we can learn from this because it looks like at first, um, it looks like a punishment, but it also is God just enacting what he told them to do, right? If we look all the way back, what he told them to do was to disperse. Mm -hmm. They didn't listen. So then it's almost like, forced obedience yeah um or you could look at it as kind of just him being just and doing what he's saying he's going to do and you know asking and making the people do what he said he was going to do and I think sometimes what things that seem like a punishment or a barrier is actually more of like a boundary for us and we know and we've talked about this before on the show that boundaries are good things they're a good thing they're for our good and they're for his glory like if i think about my kids if they're at each other's throats and fighting you know if i set a boundary and say you guys need to spend 5 minutes apart before you can come back together that's a good thing that's going to prevent further destruction right. of what is happening so i think we need to kind of Think about this that way of that sometimes boundaries are actually good for us. And what else can we take away from this? Well, it was also uh, brought to my attention once again through through my study Bible that it's also an act of grace. Mm. Because sometimes when you're in 
isolation, you're more likely to turn to God. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is so true. Mm, like good. when you're away from those distractions and when you're not all like just worried about being with your people when you're in isolation. And I think that goes all the way back. Like it makes me think all the way back to Missy's episode talking about like solitude mm-hmm. and like just spending time with the Lord and how when you're when you're kind of in that isolation, you can focus on God more. So I thought that was really an interesting point. Yeah, that is good. So we kind of see this as a main theme that we've been studying throughout Genesis, and we'll continue to see it as we study through Genesis, is that God's judgment and how they're kind of in tension with his judgment and his mercy. And what that what I mean when I say that is that sometimes God decides to um, kind of cast, like be just in the, in the sense of, you know, having punishment or whatever that is, having people's consequences for their sin. But then sometimes we see him extend mercy. And this can be kind of confusing because they seem like they would almost contradict each other. But when we see God extend mercy, we see that he He does it for a purpose, mm-hmm. right? So he, at that moment, when they're trying to earn their way to God or they're trying to be their own God, we could say, why didn't God just wipe them out like he did with Noah's generation? So why is he extending mercy here when before he didn't? And that we can't get caught up in that because we have to remind ourselves that God is sovereign and his ways are higher than our ways. But um, I was listening to a Piper sermon and he explained it really well. And he was saying that when he permits or when he extends mercy, it's for a purpose. It's by design. It's not like he forgot. Like sometimes we could think, oh, well, he just forgot to punish them or he forgot to, you know, have justice in that situation. And, and that's not true at all. It's it's because for a purpose. And oftentimes we see that the um, the sin that was committed, that when, when he gives mercy in that situation, it's because it's actually going to lead to an ultimately more glorious, more beautiful thing. And this is a really, really hard thing to grasp. I don't think we ever understand it. But we all have probably experienced it, right? Where someone has hurt us and then it, and then we see, oh, why did they get away with that? And and we have to remind ourselves that if, you know, if God had that ordained for that to happen to us, it is for our good. Mm-hmm. And it could be maybe to teach us um, mercy to give to others or compassion or anything like that. And to remind ourselves that if, if God extends mercy to us or to someone else or to any situation, that it, it is for a purpose and it is for our good. And so I think we see that when we look at um, when he dispersed everybody and they went and had their own languages and their own tribes and their own nations, we see that that ultimately is a beautiful, glorious thing. Because now we get to look around and we get to see all of these people worshiping the same God in different languages. Um, everybody looks different. Everybody sounds different. Mm-hmm. And how beautiful and glorious is that to to lift up a praise to God in all these different ways through all these different people and all these different nations. Mm, that's good. When you're talking about God making something beautiful out of pain. I just thought about something. Um, when we moved here mm-hmm. years ago, the the situation surrounding it was a painful situation. Mm-hmm. And it was hard. And it felt like a very dark time in my life. But um, we knew that this is where the Lord wanted us to be. I mean, we originally told Donnie no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but God had other plans. And I cannot imagine being anywhere different. Yeah. So it's, it's just like that, like out of some hurtful, sinful things that had happened, the Lord used that 
ultimately for our good and his glory. Mm -hmm. And it's such a beautiful thing. And so I love that we can see that over and over again in our lives and in, in the Bible, um, how he takes something that's a result of sin, but he uses it for his glory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for our good. And it's just so beautiful. Um, and like Aaron said, the diversity of languages is now considered a, a beautiful part of his creation. And I think this is interesting. Um, when I was reading up on this, some people think that in the new heaven and earth, we're going to go back to having one language. That's how they interpret some of the some of the scripture. But I, I ran across this one article on the Gospel Coalition, which is a um, resource, like it's a website that we trust 100%. Um, um, and so I thought this was really interesting. Um, this is Trevin Wax, and this is what he says. He says, isn't it fascinating to see how different languages are a result of our sin, and yet God takes even the effects of our sin and transforms them into something that will give him praise? At the end of time, God is not going to obliterate all languages. Now he sees the diversity of languages as part of the beauty of his creation. Every tongue, tribe, and nation will praise God, and he's getting that from Revelation 7, 9 through 10. He says, the different languages won't go away. They'll all be in service to praising King Jesus. It's amazing to consider how God will transform even the effects of our sin and somehow put them in service to praising King Jesus. I liked that a lot. That's why I just used the whole quote because I thought that was really good. Yeah. I love how we can hear different um, thoughts behind mm -hmm. things like this, where we can hear some people think, there will be different languages. Some people think we'll all go back to one language. And ultimately, we can rest in the fact that either way, we're still going to be praising the same God. Right. Whether it's the right. same words or with different words, mm -hmm. we're, our, we're all going to be there worshiping mm -hmm. and praising the same God. Yeah. And how this sinful thing that happened back at the Tower of Babel, like ultimately, it like we've said over and over, ultimately, it is for his glory, even for the rest of eternity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we see then, um, it, starting in verse 10, it goes back to explaining Shem's descendants, and it's ultimately going to lead us to Abraham, but we thought it would be better to leave this section, and we will do some teaching on this, but to save it for next week, because next week's episode, we're going to get into who Abram was and um, in those chapters as well, so we're going to save that for next week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobbs.